Welcome back to the official Atari Games podcast. Uh, this is Jason here, joined by producer Mark, uh, joined by Matt Rathel from Graphite Lab, and John Bakula from Graphite Lab. How you guys doing, guys? Welcome back. Doing great. Thanks. Uh, I'm doing good. Right on. Sorry, well, doing good. Great to be back. Well, this cast has been here before uh, talking about Mr. Run and Jump, and we are going to talk more Mr. Run and Jump as we just released a very exciting patch to the game, adding a bunch of cool uh, cool features. So we'll get into that later. But first, let's talk about some Atari news. What's happening? Karyuma, the shoes. If you like shoes and you like Atari and you want to mash those things together, hit up Karyuma and look at the new Atari uh, the new Atari line that we have going on right now. I think those are limited. They don't sell those indefinitely. But this is actually the second collaboration with Karyuma, so it's quite exciting. Gets get some new kicks, as the kids would say, right? Somebody says that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Also fun, we dropped a new, uh, as of, it's actually today at the time of recording, we're recording this on Wednesday, but we dropped a new trailer for Lunar Lander Beyond. So that's the cinematic trailer uh, and quite fun to look at. So check that out. Leave a nice comment in the in the YouTube video. Say hi. Say you, uh, say you heard about it in the podcast or don't. I don't, you know, whatever you want to do, live your life. And don't forget to wishlist Lunar Lander. Also... We have already planned our next podcast recording, and it's going to be talking about Quamp 2. So send in any questions you have for that on the on the podcast channel, on the Discord. Join the Discord. Then leave a comment on the podcast question feed asking questions about some Quamp 2. Um, we'll have Matt back in addition to Brad from the Graphite side to talk all about that game. And as always, wishlist Quamp 2 mm-hmm. on your platform of choice. That's it. That's it for the news. There's some stuff with G Fuel, but, you know, drink G Fuel Atari, I guess. Do that. Uh, that sounds fun and sounds delicious, I guess. Mark, have you tried it? Did you get a sample? I haven't tried the Atari G Fuel, but I'm, I'm excited to. I had my first G Fuel experience at uh, LA Comic Con. And uh, yeah, it's hard to go back to coffee after, you know, drinking a 300 milligram uh, <laughs> PewDiePie g fuel but focus on atari g fuel that's if you want to drink g fuel that's right it'll give you the edge with that uh with the joystick topper that's very interesting all right as always like i said we're going to get to uh talking about mr run and jump but first let's get into a warm-up question here i had something else planned that was somewhat related to mr run and jump more literally speaking but um there's something better uh because we were talking about this before we started recording I want to know interesting accommodations happen to be uh, looking at some accommodations for a trip coming up leading into this podcast. We started talking about accommodations and I feel like Matt was about to tell us a story about some interesting accommodations he's had while either at a convention or any trip in general. If you can tie it to some sort of games convention or oh, sure. any convention like that, that would make it at least somewhat relevant to the podcast, but look, totally. it doesn't have to be. We've all had those weird experiences in life. So Matt, why don't you go first? No, it's, that's totally it. It's because, you know, any indie developers listening and even some not that, uh, you know, have gone to GDC, especially when you book late, like, it, you know, you got to go further and further away from the, from Moscone. So um, I always book late. I don't know why, uh, but uh but yeah, as it gets further and further away from from downtown, it starts to get into some 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 rougher accommodations. Um, 
even uh, locals, uh, friends of mine that live in San Francisco, I'm like, oh, I'm staying here. And, uh, and they're like, oh, you're adventurous, are you? You know, so it's like nothing really too terrible. Um, in fact, the worst I ever did was just, I booked so far away. It was like two miles away from Moscone and I walked the whole distance, uh, you know, every day at the convention. And, uh, man, I don't think I could, I could barely walk after getting back, uh, from the flight. I was just so tired of walking everywhere. Um, so it's not like that. It's not like I, you know, had to fight off mutant rats or anything. Just, you know, I'll go for late, late bookings and, uh, sometimes not the, the most convenient. All right. Fair enough. So that's a depressing you know. intro. You expected uh, <laughs> mutant rat fights, didn't you? I don't know. I, I was expecting like room details like, oh, yeah, he booked this thing. And it turns out the, you know, the it was a half a bed sawed in half. <laughs> I, I, I have I have some interesting stories like that, but they can't be shared on public in public venue. Right. Because um, you were the one who sawed the bed. <laughs> it could uh, be. Mark, what do you what do you got? I was just thinking about it. I don't think I have anything like game or Atari okay. related, but I remember going, I went to Hawaii with my wife and we stayed at an Airbnb in Maui and it was like way worse than we expected from the listing. Like it was just like, there was no, we were on like a loft and there was no door and like the, the host did like therapy sessions in the living room, like right below us. It was, we had to like tiptoe in and, and, uh, we were like, we need to get our money back. This is false advertising. This is crazy. And then we like look back at the listing while we were like huddled upstairs in our doorless room. And it was like <laughs> totally accurate, but just like tweaks. <laughs> like if you squinted, you're like, yep, this is exactly what it is. But reading it without that context, you'd be like, wow, this place is really nice. So she like legalized it. So it was like a perfectly accurate description but making it sound so much nicer than it actually was. So we ended up just staying there and, you know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, it all worked out in the end, but it was definitely like, we were like, we need to move to a hotel like tonight. And we just got over it and went to the beach. Oh. It's nice. kind of like uh, one of those like eBay listings where it's like, oh, PlayStation 5. And then in like the tiniest print, it's like, this is just the box. Like, exactly. don't oh me, please. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that exact same thing. Like, it was, uh, yeah. 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 John, what do you got? Uh, uh, I don't know. Trying to, I don't think I've had anything too bad, you know, because I, I would hear from people all the time being like, oh, you know, you can travel a lot more if you just, yeah, you just get like the dumpiest loft and you pay like three bucks a night and then, you know, you're good. You don't, you just sleep there. It's not like you stay there very much. And it's like, nah, I don't know. I like, I like to be comfortable. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I don't know. I uh, maybe maybe the funkiest thing I, when I went to Japan, which is maybe in like 2015, uh, they lost my luggage, um, and so I wound up like going to this. You know, it, it was a pretty nice uh, 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 place, but yeah, the rooms are you know really small in Japan. And then I had no luggage for like two days, and so I was just like wearing like the same like sweaty gross clothes like you know trying to like bum around like you know uh you know what's the japanese word for toothpaste like you know what can i uh you know can i buy some uh you know deodorant here like something to make me not like stink and be all gross but uh uh so that's not really accommodation right but that was maybe the the most harrowing travel thing i've had sounds harrowing that's a good uh that's a good word for it 
by the sounds of things. I remember my most harrowing experience in Japan when uh, playing with, uh, you know, what's the English word for blank is what's the English word for ibuprofen because I'm allergic <laughs> to that. <laughs> As I'm exploring a pharmacy and talking to a guy who doesn't speak English to help me out. It was, look, I, I, I made it. I don't remember why I got it. Headache, probably. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. What's your equivalent of Tylenol? So uh-huh. I, I was in like a, I was trying to buy like an umbrella because it was raining pretty bad. And I'm just like, what's uh? I'm like trying to like mime, like, you know, umbrella, like, you know, open the, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, for rain. And then I just said umbrella in English and the woman's like, ah, oh, yeah. And like, you know, just clearly like spoke, you know. Oh yeah. That giant pile of them to your English. right, right there. Yeah. I know they're hard to see because they're all see, because they're all clear in Japan, but uh, right. they do look the same. I got to say, so a combination for me, um, I think it was E3 2012 and I was with a small company at the time and budgets were kind of tight and they were all like, yeah, you could share a room. I'm like, well, what if I find a place that's cheaper that one room costs the same as half a room? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. So, uh, so my coworker who's still a friend of mine to this day, we stayed at the Stillwell Hotel in downtown LA. And it's great because it is a short walk to the, um, to the uh, LA convention center, which is awesome. But the Stillwell Hotel is a, uh, it's a two-star hotel, which is fine. Two stars, stars don't really mean much. I mean, a, a star rating is more about the accommodations that come with the hotel. To your point, you need a bed, right? Um, this is, this is in the same town downtown that rates their uh, that has an IHOP rating of like a 4.5. So it shows you kind of the leniency of ratings that people will give to stuff in the general area. Stillwell hotel is a 3.2 on Google in its, uh, in its reviews, which is not bad, still acceptable. If you're grading on a, uh, on a school grade curve, that's still one point below failing. That'll give you an F. But, you know, all intents and purposes, I like to say 2.5 is average, so it's above average. Stillwell Hotel was horrifying. You walk in <laughs> and you walk and the lobby is like a uh, it's like the lobby of a uh, of like a high school, of like a college dorm. But it, and like it's very dirty, poor lighting, a lot of like light brown things. And you're like, this may have been white at some point, but now it's not. <laughs> and then you go to the rooms and the rooms look like they have not been updated in the last like 60 years. Like if you look at these images of it, it's exactly what you'd expect. The, 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 <laughs> there, there was like, um, I remember the air, the air condition. I went to go turn on the air condition, which are, which are window units. And I immediately, I went to go touch the dial and the entire face of the air condition fell off. <laughs> there <laughs> was, uh, the TVs were like these really, not that it matters is the hotel. So I'm not, none of these are complaints, by the way. I think it's all part of the charm. The, the TV had like, it was like one of these old tube TVs and it is so old that it was right next to the microwave. And at first glance, it would be hard to tell which was which. And the, uh, th- this thing was like so horrifying that like, it, you're like in this thing, you're like, this is kind of creepy. You would expect the walls to bleed in the middle of the night. And you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. That's just a <laughs> yeah, thing that gonna, they do. I was going to ask if it was haunted. I don't know if it's officially haunted, but my guess is if there were stories, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And I'm sure there's plenty of them. Here's the other fun fact about the Stillwell Hotel. Dynamite Indian restaurant. If you walk through that, uh, that, 
college dorm lobby, a place called Gill's Cuisine of India. Do I know that off the top of my head? No, I looked it up, but I do, but I won't forget it because it was really good. So there you go. Stillwell Hotel. If you want to stay, it's not cheap. (laughs) Why is it so expensive? It's like over a hundred bucks a night. I would say if it's 50 bucks a night, do it. And I'll quickly Google Stillwell Hotel Haunted. Um, I mean, for uh, for ready access to gills, uh, I mean, you know, yeah. what price is too low, you know? Well, no, you could just walk in. You don't have to stay at the hotel to go to gills. You just walk there's, on through. There's no poltergeist interested in so, haunting an establishment that has a lower rating than the nearby IHOP. They'll just haunt the IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> I hop's delicious. If I was a ghost, it's like the Indian restaurant. Is it like a secret, like speakeasy kind of thing? Yeah, right. Like it's like behind a one would think library behind a door. No, you just walk right through. Like if you walk at the Stillwell Hotel, you see it right through the other side of the uh, of the lobby. Uh, I I just googled Stillwell Hotel Haunted, and the Mm -hmm. there's I don't think there's official word on it, but the first. (laughs) But the first result is a TripAdvisor review that said where nightmares are made. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way. All right. Well, with that, let's get to the topic at hand here. Let's talk about some Mr. Run and Jump. Let's go from Mr. Uh, lay Down and Sleep to Mr. Uh, Mr. Run and Jump. Fair. I want to – so the update came out on Monday this past mm-hmm. week, and I want to know what's in it. John, why don't you lead the way? Sure. Um, Yeah, so uh, we've been calling this the ghost update. Uh, Speaking of hauntings, uh, but uh, so this is the the ghost update for Mr. Run and Jump uh, has, uh, let's see, the the big, you know, primary feature, you know, we're we're advertising, I guess, is the uh, uh, is during time trial. There are now ghosts. Uh, You know, these are, um, I guess, uh, 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 how would you describe these? These are like, you know, recordings, like, you know, as you've done, you know, as you finish a time trial, your best time, it gets kind of saved your kind of playthrough. And then when you do the time trial again, you know, it plays that timeline back. So you can race against yourself, um, in kind of that Mario Kart style. Right. Um, uh, so uh, that's kind of that's the big update that we're doing with this one. So it's it's all about um, you know speed running. It's about uh, adding that extra emphasis to speed running. You know, adding that extra feature. And I'll tell you, man, like I've I've gotten my my level one time from like a fifty nine seconds down to like a fifty three. You know, I was playing yesterday. Um, there it is. So it's like a train. It it really is, and it's quite effective. You know, it it adds a. Uh, it adds kind of this competitive edge to yeah. um, what would otherwise be a, a solitary uh, time trial experience. Yeah. yeah. So focus on that. Oh, go ahead. Well, I think like for anybody playing the game and doing or trying to go for those platinum times, if you're like me, you get through it and you feel like you did a pretty good job. And then you look at the time and you're like, oh, I'm like four seconds off. Oh, I'm like three seconds off. But you're flying through the game so fast that the movement has been tuned in such a way where it just feels so good that when you're playing, um, you're, you're not really watching for those little jumps, those little leaps or other things that slow you down. So having the ghost there is, um, I think, pretty important for you know just players and speedrunners alike just to kind of see what they've done 
the best in the previous runs and where they can improve. So whether it's in Violet 1-1 or the later stages of Red, it's a super helpful tool just to to see how you've been playing and how you might improve and get some of those uh, those Platinum times, get more of those orbs and unlock some of those later stages. What have... Um... What, based on you know the game came out in the summer so it's mm-hmm. over so it's about six to seven months at this point since it came yeah. out um how has the how's the feedback from players influenced what what is in the update or at least how you implemented the ghost functionality based on either you know how you've seen people interact at various conventions and we could talk about that a little more uh separately and also the feedback that you've seen from players in the wild yeah, I mean, I can speak to that a little bit because, you know, through conversations with John and the rest of the team, this ghost update is one that I put forward as a, I think, a meaningful update that um, can appeal to all the players on all the platforms. Um, and we've been to PAX and watch players play through Violet 1.1, for example. And I think a lot of things I just mentioned of, you know, the, 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 because the game moves so delightfully quick and um, you know, you're trying to get these different orbs to unlock later stages, having, having this kind of like almost like trainer mode um, you know, really I think helps players achieve and and experience more parts of the game. Um, And we made some other uh, kind of changes and adjustments along with this. Um, And these are things that John might be able to speak to, but we adjusted some of the thresholds to access some of the later levels. And that was direct feedback from players uh, in venues like Steam and Reddit and others in which we kind of lurk from time to time. Um, that maybe some of those initial settings we placed maybe a little bit too stringent. So we did kind of soften uh, a few of those later goals so that players, um, uh, existing players and new players alike can get access to some of that content. And again, that came just straight from player feedback in public forums like Steam and uh, Community Hub uh, and Reddit and so forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically that, uh, you know, there's the first five levels, which are kind of your main campaign. And then there's kind of the, the bonus extra world, uh, which is the black and white world at the very end. And you would need the orbs to unlock each of those levels. And so we lowered the threshold to unlock those. Uh, to where uh, you needed every orb in the game to unlock all five levels. And and that was 120 orbs. We lowered that, you know, so now it's 100 orbs l- unlocks the whole thing. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that takes the, um, the overall, uh, you know, like if there is some, because uh, it's a fairly hard game, you know, so if there are some uh, challenge rooms or shard challenges or whatever, you can't, you know, finish an orb. Now it's not, hundred percent strictly necessary if you just want to get to, you know, the end of the game without yeah. necessarily hundred percenting. Well, and I want to add one more thing to that. We've been praised by the community for adding some of those accessibility features. Um, and um, I think this is another kind of swing in that same direction of just kind of creating a little bit more accessibility uh, just by, by changing some of those, those values. So fans seem to, to be pretty excited. It's been cool to see the reaction already on Twitter and, uh, and the steam forums too, just, uh, you know, fans excited to get an update, get a new feature, um, and hopefully make achieving some of those, uh, more difficult goals, more accessible overall. Yeah. That's good. Can you, can you point to like one, you know, stepping away from the ghost for a minute, can you point to like one specific, 
point in any of the levels that was particularly giving people a hard time. You're like, we need it. Okay, fair enough. Because John, as a, I, I wonder, I, I often wonder how this works, right? Where we always have this discussion as a, as a producers, Mark and I, like we'll have these discussions with developers and it's a balance of understanding the actual intent versus what actually is like, feedback that's like no no really like this feels like a problem you know <laughs> so here it's like we kind of have a that that creation of that thing where you being the designer with that original intent what what point do you say all right fair enough and then what's a then in that lens like what's a particular point that people brought up where you're like all right maybe that was a little too much sorry guys <laughs> Uh, I thought yeah, you definitely. were better at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we made this game for players that are good. No, yeah, I get you. <laughs> uh, no, definitely. Uh, you know what? There was, um, uh, in terms of like the balancing changes we did, we actually did a lot of balancing overall, and I can speak more about that. Um, but uh, the particular point... Um, I think it, going back to those uh, those world six levels, you know, we uh, like six one was like an utter nightmare in kind of a way that like even the other six worlds or the six levels weren't, you know. Um, so that six one, there's like a couple rooms at the very beginning. There's like one, oh, I mean, it. it impossible to describe right like it's the Stillwell <laughs> hotel that's how it is <laughs> it's maybe like the second or third room in there where it's like it's just kind of this like you make like kind of a an inverse c kind of shape and and there's like skullkin moving like up and down and it but it's they all move very fast and it requires such specific timing and everything is like cramped in that space so tightly and i'm like man it's like i don't even know like I've done this at some point, but like, you know, you get some space, you know, between like we finish the game and then, you know, you don't play it for a little while. And then we're doing this update and playing that level again. I'm like, I, I don't even remember what, you know, yeah. the intended route through this was like, it was so <laughs> insane. So, um, so there's a couple rooms in six, one in particular that got somewhat heavier, uh, you know, uh, uh, reconfiguring of enemy positions. Um, uh, more or less, but, um, but yeah, that, that change in particular kind of came, uh, Matt and I were doing like streams for a little while, you know, where we would play through the game on our graphite lab channel on Twitch. Can you, can and, you, can you still see those? Can, can someone still go watch those? Yeah. They're still uh, there. They're on where, where would they go? Where would they go and watch those uh, streams? I wonder. Uh, uh, they're all uploaded on YouTube. So you can just search uh, graphite lab is, uh, our company channel, uh, singular one lab. One lab, only one lab. Yep. Um, <laughs> so those are up there, but like uh, you know, part of that run through, Matt gets to you know the six one level. I don't think you ever finished six one, <laughs> Matt. Uh, Not sure. So yeah. I, and I think we've like tried it a couple times, and I'm like, you know, this this probably should change. Um, but uh, so that's like a specific point in a particular level, but uh as part of this update, like kind of a bigger change that we did just to overall balancing was, uh, we changed how some of the hitboxes work. Um, so it used to be that run and jump had, or the character, Mr. Run and jump had, 
uh, just the one big hitbox that would manage like all collisions that he could do. Right. So it would be, you know, not just collisions with enemies, but also collisions with like the walls and the spikes and everything. Um, and so you wind up having to kind of like what that wound up doing is like his hitbox winds up being like fairly big and a little off balance because it needs to be like, like his feet need to touch the ground. Right. So the hitbox kind of has to like encompass his feet and also you don't want him like walking too far into a wall because it looks a little, a little Weird. strange. Right. So, so the hitbox kind of has to conform to his shape and actually like for a platformer character, like Mr. Run and jump is kind of gangly, you know, he's got kind of long limbs and he's got like the big nose. So like you've got like all is that this all hitbox. nose. I just thought that was his head. Don't spoil you know. it, John. Do not. You, you keep your vision we're outside. Talking, hang on a second. Can nope. we just talk about the anatomy of what is a Mr. Ron and Jump for the next, you know, I'm thinking 15 minutes. We could probably dissect this this man. <laughs> I want to see from fans. I want people to show us what they think Mr. Run and Jump is made of. We've put this out there a few times and everybody comes up with something different of like, you know, whether it's like, is it, is it his head? Is it his hair? Is it his, you know, is it a, a hand? You know, like we get all kinds of interpretations. And I think that's one of the coolest things about the character, even on the 2600 version is, yeah, it's just a little, a little duder in there bouncing around and how you interpret it is very, very nostalgic and very like very 2600, right? It's like, oh, we've only got a few, um, virtual pixels to display this thing you know how would you interpret a indie race car or uh, a character like mr run and jump so um yeah john might mark, have what official it, mark, cannon but mark what yeah. did you think this was what did you think it was a face you know i just kind of let it him or they just let them be you know it's not sure. like what is mr run and jump it's Oh, he's How taking... is Mr. Run and Jump? Why, why is Mr. Run why and Jump? Is Mr. Run Where and Jump? Those is are the Mr. important questions for me. You yeah. Know, what is like superficial? You know? Right. So come oh, on, folks. Would it turn that around and make us seem like the jerks here? You took the coward's <laughs> way out of that answer. <laughs> I want to see the, uh, like that. Well, there's, you know, he, they wear the hat too. I think that that's a tip off, right? Yeah. That's the, you know. Maybe the extra context there can count. <laughs> we actually have some concept art that fans would probably like to see. Because uh, when our artist was putting the hat on the character, they made two mock-ups and was like, does hat go here? Kind of like if uh, if a horse wore pants, like how would the horse wear the pants? It was kind of funny. <laughs> it's like the hat was like at the front of the snout, at the back of the snout, in the center. like. Um, and we had to have like a 30-minute art review meeting, and I had to explain why I felt like they should go here. Uh, anyway. Okay, you absolutely need to send that art to us. Send sure. the concept art because we're yeah. going to post about that. <laughs> yeah. And we will incorporate it into this clip, giving context to it. Right. Shout out to Shah, who's been organizing those uh, those little podcast clips he's been posting. So For this sure. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. People want to see this. That's right. The people Behind need the to scenes. know. And I also want to see some fan art of like that, you know, you know, you have like the the almost like a mugshot type thing where you see like the front profile and side profile, but yeah. x-ray. I want to see the skeletal structure of a, of a run and jump being. 
So I had to answer all oh, this because as you guys might know, Run and Jump exists in this real world. Spotted at PAX, uh, you know, participating in some festival action there. And danced, uh, danced busted yep. a sweet groove. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I had to explain, um, you know, to some interested parties how to, to assemble that visage. And uh, yeah, so I had to kind of explain some of those things. And uh, I feel like I got a pretty good handle on what goes, you know, what's inside Mr. Run and Jump. I think, I think you nailed it. Um, <laughs> what is, now that you have the ghost functionality in the game, has has that made like whenever we go to these conventions, right? Like I was at, I was at PAX, so I got to see that firsthand, and people went nuts over uh, the speed runs of level one one. That was a blast, and I think it drove people. I mean, it kind of ignited something internally as well as we were all competing uh, amongst ourselves in addition to the general public. Um, but I think there was always such a focus on one one uh, with the ghost update, or even prior to that. What level? in the game besides one, one, have you found to be your favorite to speed run? I guess any of you guys could go because you've played the game more than me for sure. I haven't had much time to dabble with the speed running mode. My answer is pretty short. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I don't speed run the others, but look, all the games that I speed run, I'm talking about the N64 wave race, uh, I'm talking about F Zero. I'm any of these games. I for some reason I just get into like the first stage and just trying to kind of whittle frames off of it. So there's like 10, 15 games that if I kind of catalog, I speed run just those first stages. We made a a, a platformer um, uh, featuring the Ben Ten uh, franchise a long time ago. It has time trial uh, action in it, and I just speed run that first level. I don't know why. It's just the one one seems to be like the de facto stage to prove what you've got and that's kind of where i hang on all games uh so yeah i don't know i don't know why uh yeah i mean uh it's i like one one i like i like five one Hmm. uh i like four two yeah uh i think uh with run and jump in particular you want like uh some of the levels that are a little more like wide open like because that's kind of what you want out of like a speed running experience is you kind of want that freedom and flexibility to find just, you know, in this big space of like, you know, where you can cut corners and stuff like that. So five, one in particular winds up being, you know, it's a later level, but uh, does kind of have these like bigger, more open areas that, you know, there, there's plenty of like, you know, precise timing and stuff with how you like weave through some of these enemies. But uh, there's also a lot of, yeah, just like big open spots where you can like get in there and 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 really kind of go nuts and just like launch off of a a, a high platform with a, a long jump and keep like a dive chain going and like get some like big distance on it. So, um, and uh, four two, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, uh, I don't know. I, I I found myself going back to four two quite a bit. I do like that level a fair bit. Um, it's Yellow World, right? Yeah. Yeah, with those puffer fish guys. Yeah, that's the one where puffer fish are introduced. Um, I've never seen something that looks so happy and yet is so rude at the same time. You know, um, uh, there's a handful of characters in this game that look happy but are quite rude. It's a, a thing we got going yeah. for ourselves. Mark, Mark, have you found any uh, favorites? Or are you still a one-one kind of guy? Yeah, I'm glad that John had like a real robust answer to that question. Because yeah, I uh, I'm I, I don't much I don't do much speed running 
period, except for one one during PAX, and then I got like I I got deep over that weekend. <laughs> um, but then beyond that, I just enjoy playing it, playing it casually. Getting to, so I don't even worry about the gems. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm just getting, just finding, uh, finding the dog. You know, um, you're more like Mr. Skip and Stroll. <laughs> yeah, as yeah, potential sequel there. But maybe now that I have the. I was going to say before when we were talking about the ghost, you know, I love I love the feature just because it's like that a- added internal pressure to be like, you see, it's like you're competing. You're literally competing against yourself, but you like are competing against yeah. like another creature on screen, which is like a really great, like, you know, uh, a motivator. So maybe it's going to push me out of my comfort zone and start speed running some other levels to be like, I'm going to beat that guy, even though that guy is me. I apologize if we need to bleep. I do. My, my I will. Swearing. I do. And I will. We could be like the Smurfs Time from like Smurfs from the eighties. Like I'm gonna jump and jump that guy, you know, like where every <laughs> everything was smurfing. So now everything in Mr. Run and Jump world is all jumping this and jumping that and Yeah. Yeah. I like I'm into it. Good stuff. I guess the other question is um, you know, I I think when when you go into making a game like this and the speed running really kind of takes hold and becomes a core theme of it. Is that something that's an intent from the beginning? Like, is there an actual, and, and in general, like, do you go in expecting, I'm going to make a speed running game, or is it, I'm going to make a platforming game. And then the moment you have a game that people take to, and then the second you throw a timer up there, it's like, well, you can technically speed run anything, right? What, what is the actual process in getting to that point? Or is it something that was baked in from the beginning? that has now reached, let's say, its ultimate form with this update. Yeah, I think uh, it, it was something from the beginning because I always admire... I, I admire like platformer games that will have like a singular level that you can approach in different ways to obtain different collectibles. So like, I, you know, when I was talking about the game more when it was coming out, I was referencing Crash Bandicoot a lot uh like donkey kong country like tropical freeze does this really well where it's like it's like all right here's a level and then you can just get through it and that's one playthrough you can go through and collect all the crates in crash bandicoot for instance and that's kind of a different experience that's like a slightly harder you know um you know kind of like a hard mode experience for that same level and then they have the relics, which you have to like get through in a certain amount of time. And that's like yet another uh, interpretation of how you could play through that same level. So like I really admired the elegance of a system like that. And it's something from the very start I wanted to do in Run and Jump. So it, it was a game where uh, it, like I didn't think of it as like, oh, this is going to be a speed run thing, a speed run game the way like a neon white would be a speed run game. But I'm like, I want you know to have that like multi layered kind of uh, different interpretations of the same level um, in the games, and, and speed running was kind of a part of that. And then like as we were just getting into development, we just loved going fast in the game you know we found just uh kind of emergently as we were playing it it's like oh yeah like if you if you really get going it just sings you know so kind of around that time like you know that's when we really wanted to like lean into like 
you know, man, maybe this could be like a pretty good speed running game. Um, cool. Good stuff. Um, I got, I got one more question. You know, we talked about run and jump leading into the, leading into the release. And I asked you a gotcha question that I'm going to ask again, because now we actually have, we can actually answer it honestly. So why is it better to that? Why is Mr. Run and Jump better than Mario Odyssey? I mean, Mario Wonder, Mario Wonder. <laughs> I'm, See, it's I'm, a great question. Because I'm trying to read now, your read your mind. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say Mario Wonder is out now, and we know it's pretty pretty darn good. So uh, 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 why is Mr. it Run better? Jump better. I mean, that's there you go. You got it. That's the question. <laughs> I mean, what is better? You know, I mean, to certain with certain respects i mean you know if you are craving a challenge uh run and jump is certainly going to fit that bill a lot better you know uh, mario wonder i found to be pretty easy um and uh you know what uh mario wonder doesn't have a ghost mode yes that's one (laughs) there are two correct answers and you just got one of them i was gonna go Uh, to our blast processing you know we've got uh Got that going for us. Uh, what's the other one, John? You got number two teed up. Do you think you know what it is? Uh, no, I, I, I'm not sure what, uh, what Jason's got in mind. Mark, you got any, anything you want to hey, look, there's no, there, there's plenty of answers, I mean, but I have two in my mind. Well, Mario wondered to not have a simultaneous release on the 2600. Is that, right? is that too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, there you go. Yeah. You can't play Mario Wonder on the Atari VCS. That's right. Or say, PlayStation or Xbox or Steam. I was going to say you, you can't pet the dog. Legally. Is that the answer, Jason? No. The oh. answer. The second answer is you haven't played Mr. Run and Jump, okay? Everybody's played Mario <laughs> Wonder at this point. And if you want more wow. platforming goodness, then there is more for you in Mr. Run and Jump. So check that out. There is uh, one question that was submitted to, uh, I ask I asked this in jest. I loved Mario Wonder, okay? The moment he grabbed his hat from the, as he was going into the pipe, I was like, yeah, I'm it. This is lovely. <laughs> um, but also, he doesn't have Leap the dog. Uh, Zebor wrote in to the, uh, to the Atari Discord podcast questions channel and asked, this is mainly a question for Mark and I, which is that uh, the 2600, he writes, 2600 version got a limited physical. Will the modern version get a full retail release like Haunted House and Days of Doom? The answer is sort of. Uh, there is actually a double pack that is either available or on its way to be available in Europe. And that is paired with another Graphite Lab slash Atari Gem, Combinera. Phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, bang for the buck. Can you do better than than two titles like that? Like that, that's an incredible package. So if you're in Europe or if you got the internet, check it out and uh and you could get it. But that that's the only physical release of uh of Mr. Run and Jump modern at this time. All right. Let's go on to the last section here and wrap up this podcast. What are we playing? I'm gonna go uh just you know, I haven't heard from Mark in a while. So Mark. Why don't you kick us off? What are you playing? Uh, for fun. I'm kind of in between games, but the last game that I played through, and I, I did not see nearly all of the content, is Slay the Princess. Right. If you guys have played this or are familiar with it. 
Uh, it's a, a visual novel, sort of horror, spooky game where the whole the whole thing is just dialogue and then beautiful black and white illustrations with some pops of color here and there. Um, and the entire premise is that there's like a disembodied voice that is the narrator. You come upon a, a cabin and the narrator is like in this cabin, there is a princess. You need to go inside and kill the princess. If you don't, the world ends. And then everything from there is just like the decisions you make, like what questions you ask, like why do you have to do this? Why are you the one who has to slay the princess? Is she really going to destroy the world if you if you don't kill her? Once you go in the cabin, do you take the knife? Do you not take the knife? And then from there, it just sprawls out into uh, thousands of different permutations. Um, it was a really cool uh, one playthrough. Uh, I think I saw I took like three or four hours or something, but I think I, there are like a hundred achievements and I got like 18 or something. So there's a lot hmm. more to see than what, what I did. And there's no like wrong answer. It's just like, what do you want to do in that moment? Like what seems like an interesting choice? Uh, and it, the writing is incredible. There's like lots of uh, sort of tricky moral philosophical questions and you know very strange directions it goes down. And some of them are like very scary. Like I was playing on my um, steam deck and I was like, you know, it's like you you make a, a text selection and then a new picture pops up. And I was like, all right, I'm going to choose this, which seems like it's going to get a scarier response. And I like held my Steam Deck like that <laughs> because in case it was going to be like something popping up in my face. Uh, but I'm also very, I'm not very, I don't play a lot of horror games. Um, but it was really cool. So I, I highly recommend it. I want to get back in and see some of the routes that I, I didn't take. Cool. So, Slay the Princess. It's awesome. That's neat. It's like a sounds like a Stanley Parable kind of situation. It's that like kind of layout, very different like vibe, um, but yeah, sort of a similar experience. Cool, John, what do you got? Oh, I, let's see. I've got a couple things going, uh, but I think my main squeeze these days has been Dragon's Dogma. Yes, um, love it. Uh, Getting ready for two. For- Gearing up for two, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a, uh, yeah. I mean, when did that come out? Was it, is it like ten years ago? Yeah. Oh man, it was three sixty PS three. So yeah, yeah, it was. It's goes back. Been there. a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 one of those I like. I would hear about over the years, and it's a game that's kind of gotten this uh, almost like cult status, uh, where like the people who you know who talk about dragon's dogma, like really love dragon's dogma. And then everyone else is like, what, what are you talking about? Like, uh, but so, you know, when, when something's got that energy behind it, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to like get in there and figure it out. And this is a game I've like done the dance of like, you know, install it, play an hour, turn it off, like uninstall it, then reinstall it and, you know, try and get a little further. Like I've done that a couple times. Um, but this time I've been sticking with it. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting. So it's largely just kind of this action RPG stories about a dragon who steals your heart and you have to go and find the dragon and get your heart back. Um, and, uh, like, you know, like it's a game with a lot of friction in it. Um, and I think that friction can be pretty uh, like off-putting, uh, especially like for the first few hours. Like it does, it is something you do have to kind of 
put some time into it to kind of get used to its rhythms. And then even then it might not really hook you, but um, it, it's a, it's a game. Like there's a lot of, there's an emphasis on like preparing before you go out, you know? So, you know, you're like, basically you have like a, a, a D and D kind of RPG like crew that runs with you. And there's a lot of emphasis on like, you know, cleaning up everyone's inventories, like combining items, like making sure like, you know, you've got, you know, storage space and everything and the correct suite of healing items before you go. And then when you do go, you know, if it gets dark outside, like the monsters get a lot harder and uh, there's like some big like monster fights and all that's pretty good. You know, it's, it can be maybe not like, the most impressive part of the game, but like what is really cool, like it is, it does kind of communicate this, like, like it does feel like you're with a crew. Like I've almost been like thinking about the game, almost like a single player MMO, you know, totally, totally. It's a great explanation. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It does Mm -hmm. feel like I'm playing like classic world of Warcraft and the way like your AI companions act it does kind of feel like it doesn't feel dead in the way a single player MMO kind of implies. Like it does feel like you do have a crew kind of with you at all times. And like the way they structure the world, like, I don't know. It's like when you do leave the city and you go on a quest, it kind of feels like you're, you know, going on like an adventure. It feels like more of an ordeal than like maybe a typical action RPG does. So um, yeah, I guess that's all to say, you know, I'm like a dozen hours into it and I think it, it's finally, I'm finally starting to see what the game is all about. Um, yeah. uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing that. I'm getting excited for two coming out in March. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, awesome. so, so that's been the main thing. Um, cool. Yeah. What that game is great. I played, uh, the, Dark Arisen, that version of it on Switch. I'm assuming you're playing the Dark Arisen version. And like, yeah, that first, if you, I highly recommend it. The first hour is excruciating. Like it's really, it's really poorly paced and slow and boring. And you have to walk places and you're like, what is happening? And it's kind of obtuse, like Dark Souls. But man, when that game kicks, it kicks. And I think you undersold the combat because it's like, it's like shadow. It's like a mini shadow of the Colossus at times. The fact you can jump on people, stab in the head. It's like awesome. It's great. It's good stuff. Yeah, like crawling all over like a big cyclops. And yeah, like, exactly. You know, you can it's like, awesome. And it, it is janky, right? Like it, it almost feels like you're breaking the game a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, your guys like, you know, doing like a weird kind of twitchy climb up the cyclops' back. Yeah. But then when you get up there and you're like, what? Like, you know, slashing his face and, you know, yeah. taking him down. It's like there's cool dynamicism with like these bigger monsters too. Like, you know, you fight a chimera and you can cut its snake tail off and, uh, you know, you can knock down the cyclops if you attack its legs enough. And uh, yeah, the action part of it definitely is uh, uh, it's better than like, I, I think I think maybe you might think it is right. Like, you know, totally. There's, there's definitely some Capcom magic, you know, in there. Um, uh with just like how this combat feels and what you can do in it absolutely good choice uh matt uh heroes of might and magic 2 uh it's a go on it's a 1996 (laughs) release it is a masterpiece 
uh, and set in motion uh, that entire franchise and many others like it. So what is it, John? Like Age of Wonders is was remastered uh, recently or Age of Wonders 3 or 4 or something came out. Like there's other games like it, but Heroes is like the first game that introduced me to not just that genre, but man, it might have been, it was like among the first PC games that I ever played uh, when I first got my PC back in the 90s. So um, it was a dumb idea. I don't know why I wanted to play it again, but I just kind of clicked it to open it up. And uh, I was like, I'll just play like one of the maps. And then now I'm, I played through both campaigns and the expansions and other stuff. And it's, uh, it, it won't let go of me until it's all finished. So yeah. Heroes well, of Might and Magic 2 by New World Computing, published by 3DO. Uh, yeah. Well, good games are timeless. It's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of there. I love yeah. it. Um, as for me, it, I've played this over the holidays, um, but it is apt to, I think, the Mr. Run and Jump crowd. You're done. So you finished Mario Wonder. You finished the trials and tribulation that is Mr. Run and Jump. And you also want a game that's going to equally kick your teeth in, but changes the perspective a bit. Well, I played Ghost Runner 2, and that is that game. Um, if you're not familiar with the series, first person, it's basically like what if Hotline Miami and Mirror's Edge had a baby and it was a cyberpunk baby with a sword. And <laughs> that is uh, that is Ghost Runner. And then in Ghost Runner 2, they're like, well, what if that baby grew up and had a bike for like, you know, a third of the game? And like uh and a, and a grappling hook. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, right on. So the first one was a surprise when I played it. I, I always loved the style and aesthetics, but I was like, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know about this game. And then it came to PlayStation Plus and I checked it out and loved it. Absolutely loved it. I remember playing that game simultaneously with Cuphead for the second time, like the Cuphead expansion for the, at the same time. And that was just like, oh, Games aren't fun. Games are punishment. They're sinning. <laughs> and then yeah. that's that's what that experience was like. But Ghost Runner 2 is oddly like it's easier and more forgiving than the first one. You don't have to play the second one to play the first one, but they yeah. are both equally excellent, I think. Yeah. Two adds a lot more interesting story. Um, and the the music is awesome. The the visuals are great. It's just so smooth. It feels so good to play. And the satisfaction of completing a room, it's got that instant, you die, you retry. It's like, what makes these kind of games great? Yeah. It absolutely nails. And I made the horrible decision of playing it on consoles. And even then, I still had a great time. But I highly recommend playing it with the mouse and keyboard um, because... Precision controls are a must, although I think they slowed things down ever so slightly hmm. with two. Uh, but and, and you would think, man, a motor a motorcycle, that's weird. Why would this why would this be in the game? Surely that's not going to feel good as everything else that feels amazing in this game. And it does. It's excellent. Ghost Runner 2. Check it out, especially if you have if you like that, you know, super difficult but satisfying, you know, one more try. I just got to get this one. 30 sec 30 to 60 second room yeah. and that's it and then i hit the next checkpoint i love that don't give me like it's yeah. that balance between what is frustrating and what's not and this does such a good job of balancing it because sometimes you know games are frustrating when you lose your progress like i find souls games could be like that as well depending on the placement of yeah. um of checkpoints and th whereas this is just so instantly gratifying and <laughs> 
Really, really cool. And I love that style. I love the aesthetic. It's, by the way, one hit, you're dead. Everything is one hit, you're dead. One hit kills you. One hit kills your enemies. So mm-hmm. it, it always makes things tense. And, and and it's just, it's great. Really, really cool. So Ghost Runner 2. That right was recommendation. Does Ghost Runner 2 have a ghost mode? Well, you are a ghost runner, but no is the answer to that question. So add that to the column of why Mr. Run and Jump is better than Ghost Runner. It sounds to me, yeah, Run and Jump is a better <laughs> better game than Ghost Runner 2. To be clear, I never said say why it's, I guess you could phrase it that way. Whatever, man. It's done. It's done. You know. Um, all right. Let's wrap this thing up. First of all, submit Quamp 2 questions for the next recording. We'll be doing that in about two weeks' time. So three-fourths of us will be the same. And then we will sub out John for Brad. It's going to be very exciting. We'll talk about Quamp 2. We'll talk about uh, talk about Circles, talk about Pong, all that stuff. Um, if you made it this far into the podcast, first of all, thanks for listening. Second of all, if you want to do us a solid, uh, just like we've done you a solid by delivering you this fine entertainment, um, you should head over to iTunes or Spotify and give us a review. Five stars preferred. Honesty is always appreciated. If you've got criticisms, yeah, put that in the Discord. You know, Keep that off the ratings. Give us the five stars. We've deserved We've earned it. Um, lastly, a reminder, wishlist Quamp2, wishlist Lunar Lander, and join our Discord. All those links are going to be down in the, uh, in the description below on YouTube and podcast services. Uh, also down there, assuming these, uh, any of these gentlemen would like you to find them, uh, we'll have links where you can do so. So why don't we go around there? Matt, thanks for joining. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all the social medias at Ratheo Show. There you go. John, where can they find you? Uh, I'm uh, at John Makula, I guess primarily Twitter. Um, I don't, yeah, that's probably. I'm on the Atari Discord as well. You could find me on there. You might have to at, uh, you know, try to find me, but that's John Makula there as well. Cool. Mark, thanks for joining. Where can they find you? Uh, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> In my office here in New Jersey. <laughs> okay, um, fair enough. On the streets? That's about it. Yeah, on the streets. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. Cool. And you can find me on uh, Twitter slash X at Jays of Doom. Uh, thanks again for listening. And we'll be back. And we'll talk to you next time, I guess. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.